Welcome to Grass Talk Radio. This show is for people who play bluegrass music and anybody who might want to. The prison guard shut the iron door behind me. Howdy folks, howdy and welcome back to Grass Talk Radio. This past weekend, if you have sent me an email, any sort of like customer service related email, like a question about one of my videos or anything like that, you haven't gotten a reply. And usually I'm, I'm pretty quick about it. I, I am just on that email multiple times a day and I try to be, you know, Johnny on the spot with responding to people. I don't always manage that. Sometimes, you know, there's something going on, but I try to be pretty quick about responding to people, if, especially if they've got a, a question about one of the products or something like that. But if you have emailed me in the past four days, I haven't even turned the computer on. Uh, Thursday morning, I shut that thing off, unplugged the internet router, and I hit the road to a bluegrass festival. And I'm just sort of coming back to life. It's Monday morning right now and uh, uh here's my my reasoning you know I, I figured out that every person that you encounter throughout your ramblings around on planet earth everybody has got an agenda or i should say everybody has a motive for what's going on right now and why they're doing what they're doing at that moment and going to a bluegrass festival is a good opportunity to study the motivations of other people because there are a huge variety of motives at work i mean there's a whole bunch of people there but they don't all have the same motives anyway i'll get around to that in a little bit but my wife and son my son is in the fifth grade and they're at the end of the year they're going to have a big field trip end of year class field trip for the fifth graders and boy i'm glad i didn't uh, go on that trip. I mean, I can't imagine what would be more fun. Actually, it probably would have been fun, but there were some um, students' mothers and like that, that signed up as chaperones, and my wife stepped up as a chaperone. So they left the house at 5.30 in the morning on Thursday to go to the school, hop on a bus, and drive to Atlanta and do all these things. Then they were going to Charleston, and they worked their way back here late Saturday night. So I'm looking at a couple of blank days on the on the calendar. And the pluck tones didn't have anything booked. We don't really have anything booked at all during the month of May because our mantle player, John T., his wife is days away from uh, giving birth to their second child. So he's got to stick pretty close around at home. So we decide, you know, if anything comes up in May, boys, just don't book it. John needs to stay tethered to the house. At least for the time being. So I knew I wasn't going to get John to go with me. And, you know, I asked around a few people who might want to maybe take off and go to a bluegrass festival this weekend. Really hadn't picked out which one I might go to. Get on the Internet. And I'm doing a little searching around. And I I found a festival down at near Thomasville, Georgia at Picker's Paradise. That's what everybody's always called it, Picker's Paradise. I think the official name is the Great Southern Music Festival. And it's just a little bit north of uh, Thomasville. So that's an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes south of me. And they've, they've had that festival for a pretty good while. I've heard people talk about it. But 
for some reason, I had never gone to it. And I thought, well, this is a good excuse to go to it. I'm going to go down there and check out Picker's Paradise. So flying solo to a festival is kind of a different routine than if you're going with your band or you're going with your family. Flying solo, you know, I've, I've done it where I've slept in the back of the truck, slept in the back of the car, took a tent. You know, you can... It's it's a lot easier logistically to plan for one than to plan for the whole family. But again, I didn't really want to go by myself necessarily. And I had uh, run across this banjo picker recently. Um, 18-year-old kid, uh, guy's name is Jeff Snyder. And I had run a little ad, like I occasionally do, on, on Craigslist, you know, looking for bluegrass musicians, just always, you know, I feel like I'm like that fisherman that I've always got one hook baited and chunked out there. Even if I'm not watching the pole that carefully, you know, I feel like you're not going to, you're not going to catch any fish if you don't at least have a hook out there in the water. And so that's what I do every now and then just to try to find out who's around and, you know, is there any potential here, anything that could be done in the future, you know, so I put this ad up there. When you put an ad on Craigslist, it stays up there for 45 days. And I, we don't have a Craigslist in our area, but I just picked the town nearest us, Columbus, Georgia. Bluegrass musicians wanted blah, 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 blah. Send me an email, you know. Anyway, on the 44th day, so one more day and that ad would have just disappeared. Hadn't had one response, not one response. But I got an email on the 44th day from this guy. I play the banjo, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, great. Hey, you got, a, you know, got a video or something. Anyway, he sent me a, a link to a YouTube video of him playing a couple of tunes. I'm like, man, this kid can pick. And he, he couldn't have been playing very long. So anyway, I was real anxious to get together with him and just, you know, kind of put him through the paces and see what all he's accomplished so far and see how he, plays with other people and stuff like that. So I called him up and I said, Hey, there's this festival. My wife's out of town this weekend. There's a bluegrass festival. You want to go? And you know, it was, it was, um, it reminded me of me way back when, because, you know, I asked him, have you ever gone to any festivals and stuff? And you know, he might've been to 500 of them. His family might've had a band and you know, you don't know. And it turns out he had, been to one bluegrass festival prior to this weekend one and i haven't got the whole story on that but he, he went up to bear on the square in dahlonega but he was itching to pick so i said well just uh here's directions you know be at my house at 11 11 o'clock in the morning on thursday and you know bring your banjo you got a sleeping bag you got a tent you know I said, no i don't have a tent well i i got one i'll just you can borrow this tent and bring your stuff, pack you some food and all this, and we'll go. So he met me here, and I've got a little 4 by 6 enclosed utility trailer that for many years, that's what I carted around the PA system for Pony Express. I, I probably about eight years, that was really just the road case for the PA. The PA lived in that trailer. And it was just the right size for what we were doing at that time. Well, after I moved down here and Pony Express disbanded and kind of, 
you know, wasn't playing anymore, and I was out of Cedar Hill. That little old trailer just sat around. It became the camping trailer. I just keep it, you know, would keep it crammed full of all the stuff, tents and lawn chairs and, you know, the 10 by 10 tarp and all that kind of stuff, the grass carpet, grills. That thing became the storage for the camping. So if we need to take off camping, I could pile everything we need on and just hook it on the back of my little Toyota and off we go. So that's more or less what I did for this weekend. Um, I, I have rigged up the back end of that, that four by six, you can swing the door open and then I've, I built another door so that you've got a screen door. It's actually a door off an old pop-up camper that I had. And I built this wood back end with the, you know, a screen door hatch. It, it sort of turned it into like the poor man's teardrop camper. But the old mattresses from the pop-up that I had saved, the pop-up's roof rotted out, and I tore it all apart and made a utility trailer out of it. But I saved the mattresses. And those mattresses just sit right perfectly in that 4x6 trailer. They must be exactly 4x6. And I used to stuff them in there to take them tent camping because I'd rather pull a mattress out than to sit there and try to blow up an air mattress. <laughs> And I hate an air mattress that goes down in the middle of the night, you know, I don't like dealing with them things. But one day I was looking at that thing and looking at that mattress fitting in the back. And I thought, you know what? I could just sleep in this thing. And that's when I built the back end with the screen door. And I've really tricked that thing out inside with little lights and little storage compartments and racks and all this kind of stuff. So when I'm flying solo to a bluegrass festival, that's all I need. I can just pull up. If I, if we ever stop picking and I need to sleep, I just crawl in the back, sack out, crawl out in the morning, you know. Anyway, that's the way I go. So uh, I, I dragged Jeff along with me, and I'm sure it was an eye-opening experience for him to, you know, at, be, at your second festival. Go back and listen to See the Elephant, one of my early episodes where I tell about my first early bluegrass festival experiences anyway hopefully i i am not accused of corrupting america's youth but i figure it's probably better for an 18 year old kid to run off to a bluegrass festival in south georgia than it is to you know go to bonnaroo or burning man or something like that i'm sure his parents would have been a lot more concerned about him if he was heading off to burning man anyway so we get down there and you know, set up camp, start picking. There's a few people picking around and invariably I, I knew I would run into some folks I knew. And it turns out there was a, some guys that I know they've got a band called Crosswired. I've known these guys for a pretty long time and they're a really interesting bluegrass band because they look like a bluegrass band, but they're not going to be playing a whole lot of Flatt and Scruggs and Stanley brothers. They're their their thing is to play like Pink Floyd and stuff like this, but it but it's bluegrassy, you know. You know, I don't even understand and know the kind of music that they play. They might do like an ACDC cover or something, you know. Not the kind of stuff I ever paid any attention to. But these four guys found each other back a few years ago, and they were there. And I think it's a great idea for a festival promoter to book a band like Crosswired because there's going to be people that show up at your festival that, you know, Stanley Brothers is not their cup of tea. 
But if some guy will play, you know, what's that, uh, you know, one brick in the wall or whatever that thing is, the Pink Floyd thing, man, they think all of a sudden bluegrass is really cool, you know? So anyway, I love those guys crosswired. Eric, he plays the bass and sings. He's kind of like, kind of got this Greg Almany kind of thing going on. And uh, Fred and Willie, that's a banjo player and a mandolin player, and my old buddy Tom Bobbitt playing guitar. So they were nearby, and I went over there and surprised them and hung out with them a little bit. And uh, they even fed me breakfast on Saturday morning. <laughs> They're funny. They, uh, uh, another guy named Charlie Sykes, he goes with them, and he is their official cook. <laughs> I mean, he might even get in free. I don't know. He's the band's cook. Some people have the, the sound man and some people have the, uh, you know, the roadie or whatever. No, he's their cook. He comes and he cooks. <laughs> he's also a good guitar player. Anyway, so I saw the crosswired guys down there and got to hang out with them. And, you know, I'd wander down to the stage and scope out some of the bands and it was really good. I really enjoyed it. It was that it was that perfect size festival that's not too big, not too small. You know, you had some some real working, you know, bands, you know, real bands who playing music is their business. You had bands like that there. And you also had some bands that were, you know, the local weekend warrior type bands. Which in many cases those bands are super excellent too anyway there was this good selection of bands uh amanda cook there from uh she's from north florida i think her bluegrass story goes back a long ways you know her family played and that kind of thing she's got a band they sounded great those they really were excellent had crosswired you had uh edgar Loudermilk was there with his band with uh I think they bill it as Edgar Loudermilk and with Jeff Autry. And if you don't know who those guys are, it, it's, they're the, they're the kind of guys that you've heard them. Even if you don't know who they are, I guarantee you, you've heard them. Just look them up, look them up and read their bios. You know, Edgar, um, he, I think he really got his first professional gig playing uh with Rhonda vincent and did that for a few years and then when ray deaton left third time out ray deaton was their bass player and bass singer he used to hit those super low notes edgar became third time out's bass player and now he's fronting his band his own band and he's got jeff autry playing guitar and singing with him and jeff autry's son Zach is playing mandolin and I didn't get a chance to meet their banjo player. I just somehow we didn't cross paths this weekend. I didn't get to meet the guy, but really tasteful banjo player there too. And, you know, they're out there, you know, logging the miles, beating the streets, trying to make a living at bluegrass in many ways, you know, as a, uh, as a bluegrass musician, you look to people like that and you envy them. But then on the other hand, that's a that is a brutal existence. It is a tough way to make a living. And I really admire people that will that love music enough to suffer that way. I mean, 
you know, it'd be a whole lot easier to get yourself a job as a welder or a draftsman or something like that and punch a time clock. But anyway, Jeff Autry, I, I hadn't seen Jeff since uh, the last time I actually spoke to him was at a kind of a hippie festival, hippie music festival in the year 2000. But I knew him and he was an old, I think, you know, he, he grew up around Atlanta. Uh, I think he's from Decatur and I was a South side Atlanta guy. I mean, you know, we kind of sort of knew who each other was over the years. And, uh, and then he, you know, he merged into, he managed to get his foot in the door into some professional playing situations. I'm not going to go through his bio, just look him up online. And he played for a long time with John Cowan. And he was down there at that Harvest Festival in, in the year 2000. And I was there. At that time, I was working for the Mellow Mushroom Pizza Enterprise. And at that time, they probably had about 50 locations. And I was working in their marketing department, uh, designing menus and ads. I even did some radio commercials. If I can find one, I may close the show with an old... I used to do these 15-second radio spots. I, I always, you know, they, they, the typical radio spot on Atlanta radio was 30 seconds. Well, they were so tight that we would do 15-second commercials. So I had 15 seconds to say something. And I made, I used to record and play all the parts. Anyway, if I can dig up a couple of those old Mellow Mushroom commercials that, that I did, uh, I'll, that's going to be my outro for this week. But I was working with Mellow Mushroom, and we sponsored that festival and where I last saw Jeff Autry in the year 2000. I think it was 2000. And that festival, it was cold, and it was rainy and muddy, and it was just a mess. Tony Rice was there, Peter Rowan, Vassar Clements, John Cowan Band, and a whole bunch of these kind of like hippie jam bands that I didn't really know who they were, you know. Anyway, when I was there, I was talking to Jeff. I was sort of emceeing the, the, what they call the acoustic stage because we were promoting. And I was giving away T-shirts. You know, we had this, like, T-shirt shooter that we'd shoot T-shirts out in the audience. And I would do contests and stuff like this in between the bands. Like, I'd get four or five people up there and get them all to stand on one leg. And, and the first person that fell over or had to put their other leg down they were out and the last person standing would get a t-shirt or hat or free pizza or whatever just doing this silly promotional stuff and jeff was there playing and i was talking to him and he had a, a new cd called foothills and he gave me that thing and somehow in packing up from that festival and going home i misplaced the cd and i didn't find it in my stuff for maybe a, a couple of years Never opened it. I put that thing in. I was like, man, this is some really good stuff. And I, that became one of my CDs that rode around in the car for many years. And, and then, you know, I kind of forgot all about this. I lost track of him. I, I, I knew he was out there doing his thing, but just didn't ever bump into it until this past weekend. And they pull up in their van and they got it all packed with all their stuff and the shirts hanging up on a pole across the back and, and they play their show. I came over there and was talking to him afterwards and telling him, you know, about 
I apologize that I kind of lost his CD and stuff, but while they were on stage, and this is, this is kind of cool. I was down at camp. We'd been picking late, late, late. And I decided I'm just going to crawl in the camper and just take a little nap. So I'm half asleep, just kind of, you know, taking a nap like a dog takes a nap on the porch in the hot, in the heat of the late afternoon. That was me. And I was laying there and I heard this song. Maybe I thought I was dreaming it or something. And it's a song called, I, I think it's called A Thing Called Love. And I'm just hearing this sort of, it's way off in the distance, you know, a couple hundred yards away from the stage. And I'm like, Dad, come on, that is Jeff Autry down there. And I, I got up and, and walked down there and just leaned against Pine Tree and watched them finish out their set. And it was really cool to hear the same song 18 years later sung by the same guy and then look at him and that's his son beside him who's a you know a grown man you know and it just really reminds you how how time flies when you're having fun anyway it was good to see him i got my fill of picking down there i really did met some yeah there's always these hot young pickers and stuff there were a bunch of them down there let me tell you met some guys from blue holler didn't really meet them just hung around and and uh listened to them pick and jam and stuff and it was cool we had a great time met this uh mandolin player from tallahassee named marshall i can't, i'm not sure i would know his last roberts maybe and they were near us. We did a lot of picking with them. It's funny how when you go to festivals, you meet people. At least this is how I do it. I meet people and I remember them, but I'll lose their name in a second. And i that's something I'm working on, you know. Maybe maybe over the next 40 years, I'll get better at remembering names and stuff. But anyway, I don't really have a purpose for this particular episode. I'm not trying to teach you something. I'm not even really trying to sell you anything this time. And that's kind of rare, isn't it? But you know, for the benefit of the cause, let me do at least mention the website. This podcast you're listening to is sponsored by me, myself, and I, BradleyLaird.com. So if you if you want some free mandolin lessons, banjo lessons, whatever, you know, I got all the free stuff up there, and I got free videos and all this. I'm also peddling my usual ebooks and video instructional material and all that. Go to BradleyLaird.com, and when you're supporting that, you're supporting this show. Yeah, I just didn't really have anything much prepared. I, I have this idea. One of the things I'm going to do here in the near future, because I'm so into podcasts right now, that I'm in pretty soon I'm going to do an episode, and I'm going to run down and tell you about some of the other podcasts that I listen to. Stuff I like, and you might like it. Anyway. Had a great time at the festival. I guess if there's any moral to the story is, go. I've said it before. You can't do bluegrass sitting sitting on your couch at home. And I thought, what would I have done at home if I didn't go to that festival? I probably would have spent a lot of time mowing. I don't have a television, so I wouldn't have sat around watching TV. I probably would have, you know, since my wife was gone, I probably would have 
got out the old record player and started playing records and maybe, uh, you know, got me some ribs and put them on the grill and turned the chickens loose and just sat around and just be useless. And I, th- I thought, well, that's, that's pretty much what I did at the bluegrass festival, except I didn't, didn't do it alone. So, you know, don't sit around the house alone, throw all your stuff in the car and, and, you don't even have to know anybody because when you get done with a weekend like I had down at Pickers Paradise, you're going to know a whole bunch of folks. And who knows? 18 years later, not who knows. I guarantee you, you're going to run into those same people 18 years later. So a minute ago, I was talking about everybody has an agenda or a motive. I kind of started with that idea and I think I got way off on these other trains of thought. And I wanted to come back to that real quick before I close this thing out. And as you walk around a festival, you bump into various people. I stood back at the back of the festival and there was a guy there that had a table. You always see the, the flyer table. And usually, you know, promoters go to other festivals and put their flyers on the table and stick a rock on top so they don't blow away. And that's the, where all the information transpire or, you know, is transmitted. You want to know about what's going on at the other festivals. You find that table and you pick up the flyers of the stuff you might be interested in going to. And I ran into this guy who sort of has professionalized that and made it his thing. He goes to festivals and he has, like super hyper organized these flyers by region of the country. And he's got little clips on them so they don't blow away. And he kind of stands there and he can tell you about these festivals. And I think, you know, some of these promoters can say, you know, can you take my flyer and put it on your table? Anyway, this guy just travels around to bluegrass festivals being the flyer table guy. (laughs) That's just great. I talked to that guy for an hour. And let me tell you, you want to get some of the inside track on what's happening in the bluegrass world, talk to him. I made the mistake of not getting his name, but next time around, I'll never forget his face, but next time around, I'll uh, ask him for a card or something. Really interesting guy. And of course, because I was talking to him the whole time, I missed three quarters of Amanda Cook's show. I was hearing it, but I... I was way back in the back yakking with that fella. I tend to do that. So anyway, so what is that guy's motive? Well, I don't know for sure, but I would just guess his motive is he loves bluegrass. He loves to be around bluegrass. And this is a great way for him to, to be at a lot of festivals. So his motive probably isn't to make sure you know about all these other festivals. It's probably just guessing his motive is to be there at the festivals. So that's his motive. Well, what was my motive? My motive was to have something to do this weekend, drag the bass fiddle down there, maybe get into some, some picking, see a few old friends, talk to some people I didn't know, you know, pet a dog. And, you know, <laughs> I didn't really have much of a motive. Oh, I did. I guess I did have one cause I made up these little quarter size, grass talk radio podcast flyers and i printed me out about a hundred of them and kept them in my left hip pocket all weekend and anytime i'd run into somebody i thought might be interested i would give them one of those little flyers so i guess i did also have that motivation and uh, jeff a, a banjo picker that went with me i think his motivation was to you know 
pick. And he did. He picked. I mean, I'd look around. He's gone. Where is he? Where is he? He was always picking somewhere. Just pick, pick, pick. That was his motivation. And then you run into other bands that, you know, some of the bands, you know, they got motivations like, you know, to rehearse, rehearse our set before we get up there. And then, you know, a performer's got slightly different set of motivations for being there than, you know, this retired couple from Ohio that's got their RV and they've just taken a liking to bluegrass and they travel around to a bluegrass festival every weekend. And God love those people. They are footing the bills for the bluegrass world. And many of them don't even pick, you know. I talked to a good number of folks just like that down there this weekend. And then you got your weekend warriors, you know, that uh, they come and they want to pick. They don't play professionally. Maybe they have at certain times. and But their motive is to get together with their friends and pick. Because that festival is like a magnet for pickers. It draws them in from all over. And you, you'll have some great picking sessions. There was uh, some people there, uh, a mantle player, didn't get his name, and a bass player. I think they might have been husband and wife. I'm not sure. They were from Austria. And they were just picking and singing right in there with the rest. I mean, it was, it was really cool. I should have met that guy. Didn't meet him. But I picked with him for a couple hours. Anyway, you just run into all kind of people. And everybody has their little motive. And I think if you attempt to read their minds, you know, as you meet each person in your daily life, you know, try to, as they say, put yourself in their shoes. Like, I wonder what that guy's real motive is for what he's doing right now. And, you know, if you understand them a little bit and you can give them a little bit of what they're after, maybe they'll give you a little bit of what you're after. Anyway, so I'm going to close the show out with, uh, I have, uh, these couple of old mellow mushroom commercials that maybe you'll get a kick out of. So, Y'all have a great week. Talk to you in the next podcast and scope out these weird O oh, 15 second traffic spots. Y'all take care. I think we need a mellow moment. Relax. Ease off the gas pedal. Release the stress. Close your eyes and think of mellow mushroom. Did, did I say close your eyes? I don't think I said Mellow mushroom that. pizza. Doing our part to eliminate stress. And now an important announcement from Mellow Mushroom. My name is Mel, and although I may look like a mushroom, I'm actually a fun guy, and I want your vote. Yay! This has been a paid announcement by the Committee to Elect Mel 2000, www.mellowmushroom.com. An announcement from the Mellow Mushroom Pizza Party. My Mellow Americans, I stand for quality, freshness, and more dough for the people. This has been a paid announcement by the Committee to Elect Mel 2000, www.mellowmushroom.com.